0: Coming up on Word Matters, adjectives that have strong gender tendencies. I'm Emily Brewster, and Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. On each episode, Merriam-Webster editors Ammon Shea, Peter Sokolowski, and I explore some aspect of the English language from the dictionary's vantage point. Like people, words have habits. Some verbs tend to take certain objects. Some adverbs are especially suited for exaggeration. Most of these habits are pretty transparent. But today, we're going to look at some adjectives with gendered tendencies that are both surprising and not so surprising.
1: Most of us, if we've studied any kind of foreign language, are familiar with the concept of gendered nouns or gendered parts of speech. Gendered nouns are having, say, adjectives that then have to agree with the gender of the noun especially with romance languages, whether it's Spanish or French or what have you. And also, we all of us have this kind of general feeling that that's something that exists in foreign languages and not in English, and that English is, for the most part, an ungendered language. We've dropped issues like that. In a strict sense, that is, I think, largely true. The word lexicographer does not have an ending that indicates whether it's a man or a woman or anything. You would qualify either a female lexicographer, a male lexicographer, whatever designation you need to give to it. This certainly extends to adjectives. However, we all have a kind of feeling that there are certain adjectives that we use more often, say, with men than with women, or vice versa. Would you guys agree with that?
0: Yes, definitely. I do want to say, though, that you can say editrix (laughs) if you want to identify specifically as a woman who is an editor.
1: Excellent point. And I'm sure that editress would have come up. And yeah, the IX ending is one that has largely kind of passed along, but it definitely was around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Great.
2: Point. Aviatrix. But we also have words like actress and things that we regard as archaic now, like poetess. And actress itself seems to be slowly disappearing. On the way out.
1: Same thing with authoress was around for sure. a while and just become author. So there are different words that are in a sense declined differently for that. But with adjectives I think we generally have the feeling that an adjective just applies
2: Right, because language. what you're really talking about is not the gender referred to by the noun, but grammatical gender. Which is a different right. thing because these nouns Absolutely. even even actress in English, there is no grammatical gender of a right. noun That's in right. English.
1: However, there is, with adjectives, we do assign it a non-grammatical gender in many cases. Mm -hmm. For instance, the word brutish, B-R-U-T-I-S-H, is almost always used of men. Just as the word winsome, meaning generally pleasing and engaging, often because of a childlike charm and innocence, is in the vast majority of cases used of women or girls. And a lot of times there's an awkward feeling, I think, with adjectives like this, and that they're generally, when they are gendered in this sense, they're used often in a sexist way. Frumpy, for instance, Mm. is used much more often of women than it is of men. And Peter, you had mentioned one, of course, that is now much more gendered in this manner than it used to be, which is handsome.
2: Right, the word handsome, that in Shakespeare's time kind of meant elegant or well-proportioned. And over time, you can see it was used by Samuel Johnson himself to refer to a woman. So a handsome woman used in Sense and Sensibility, many times used by Jane Austen in Emma as well, used in Arthur Conan Doyle, a very handsome woman. Mark Twain used it. Edith Wharton uses it in The Age of Innocence. And one of my favorite corpora, a place to watch language change is the Time magazine corpus because you can watch in this popular magazine that's carefully edited how a word evolves through about 100 years of publication. And it's interesting that it was widely used before World War II to mean attractive... And then very distinctly, you can see that it is used less and less frequently of women. But also in those cases, when it is used of women, it's used of usually matronly or older women. In other Uh words, the word itself Uh sort of morphed lexically to mean kind of pleasant to the eye, but not in a kind of sexually attractive way, but in a sort of wholesome way.
0: There is a corpus called the N101020 corpus on Sketch Engine. And I did, in preparing for our conversation today, I looked at modifiers of the word woman and modifiers of the word man, and it was surprising. The corpus divides them so that you can see which are most frequently used to describe one or the other. And the words that were used far more frequently for describing a woman were attractive, pretty, beautiful, rural. I don't know why Hmm. rural is in there. That one was surprising. Not surprising were pregnant and postmenopausal. And words far more frequently used to describe man than woman were great, big, good, rich, honest, wise, right, evil, and wicked. Wow. I know. I thought that was very interesting. Certainly, I don't think speakers of the language are saying that only a man can be right, evil, or wicked, or only a woman can be attractive. But what we are saying is that these are the habits, company, that the words keep.
2: That they keep, yeah.
1: What I find most engaging about this kind of topic is as editors, when we see the shadings taken on by a word that you only really notice when you're looking at a large group of citations, which all use that word and unpredictable or unusual things come up. And my favorite example of this is the word affable, in which looking at 50 citations that we had for affable. I was surprised to see that 49 of them were referring distinctly to men, and the 50th was referring to a woman who the author thought was a man. I have to say that as a man, I have not ever myself particularly thought of my fellow man as particularly more affable than women. Affable, we define it as being pleasant and at ease in talking to others, certainly don't apply that to myself, are characterized by ease and friendliness. Again, I don't qualify myself as affable. And most of the men I know I don't particularly feel are affable. Certainly not more affable than the women I know. So why is it that we somehow had this unspoken agreement to refer to men more often as affable? As a
2: culture, we've sort of decided collectively that this word really applies only in one direction.
1: And Emily, you found one.
0: I did. I was looking at the styling of the word absent-minded it needs to be shown in both its hyphenated and closed forms. But what I noticed when I was looking at the examples of absent-minded is that I don't think it was 49 out of 50. I don't remember the exact count. But it was far more frequently applied to men than to women, which just struck me and was surprising because I count myself as significantly absent-minded much of the time. And certainly it just doesn't seem like it is experientially linked to men more than women, but it appears that in published, edited text, it is a word that is far more often used to describe men than women.
1: One of the things I think is always possible here is that we all know that words change their meaning, and adjectives do this just as much as any other kind of word. We have these great examples. Obnoxious, everybody thinks of obnoxious as meaning. Offensive, and it does have that meaning, of course, but what it initially meant was dangerous to, obnoxious to somebody was proposing a danger to them. And similarly affable before it had this strict meaning of just kind of approachable and easy to speak with, you would say especially somebody is affable in reference to their dealing with somebody of a lower social class or status. So something tied to that in terms of how it more often was used of men, but it still doesn't really explain it to me. I'm stuck on thinking of men as more affable than women, which I don't. I like the idea that there are some just kind of unexplained parts of the English language that some things have just collectively shift this way and we don't know. I kind of enjoy that mystery.
0: You know, when I was like, thinking about absent-minded in this regard, I was thinking about how absent-minded is a somewhat gentle way of describing a person who is forgetful. And you can contrast it with, say, ditzy, which (laughs) is basically synonymous, but not charitable in the least. And ditzy is applied to women. And so absent-minded betrays a sexism that is reflected in the language, a sexism that is present in us as people. Absent-minded is a gentle word that kind of gives you a pass. Whoever is described as absent-minded is Mm. harmless. They're not really to be blamed. Their mind is somewhere else on something perhaps also very important. We're listening to Word Matters, I'm Emily Brewster. We'll be right back with more on adjectives that tend to play favorites. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite-clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret?
1: Do you have a question about the origin, history, or meaning of a word? Email us at wordmatters at wcom
2: I'm Peter Sokolowski. Join me every day for The Word of the Day, a brief look at the history and definition of one word available at merriam-webster.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more podcasts from New England Public Media, visit the NEPM Podcast Hub at nepm.org.
0: still talking about the company that particular words keep, for better or worse.
1: I like this idea of having the kind of unexplained mystery in the English language. I do have to say, in all honesty, that if there is some kind of inequity between how we describe women and how we describe men with a certain word, I think it's pretty safe to say that sexism is at the root of it, not some (laughs) unexplained, you know, mystery. I think there's a very easy explanation Mm. there, and it's just that we've taken our record of the language mostly from men as opposed to women, and this reflects that.
0: That's right. Although nobody is immune from sexism entirely, unless you work against it.
1: If you look at the kind of historical record of synonyms, for instance, one of the, the most glaring cases of this is the number of words for a woman of loose morals far exceeds that for the number of words for a man of loose morals, but also like the number of words for a man whose wife has cheated on him is astonishing. A huge number of these is Gold, Witall, a man who knows his wife is cheating on him and doesn't mind. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Cornute, all these words having to do with horns. Mm. There is one for a woman whose husband is cheating on her. And so the ratio is like 20 to 1 in favor of men whose wives are cheating on them. And I don't think this reflects how the words actually exist in the world.
0: Well, do we end up with fewer words for something that is less remarkable? Don't know. <laughs> you know, if, if it's historically common or historically assumed that this is an acceptable thing among the speakers of a language, maybe they just don't have that many words for it.
1: One of the things that really surprised me about this, though, was this gendered use of adjectives extends to lexicographers in a peculiar way, which is that there are a surprising number of definitions, not just in our dictionary, but in most dictionaries that go back to the 19th century, There's a surprising number of words which seem to be defined as untidy women. And first of all, I don't think of women as more untidy than men anymore, than I think of women as less affable than men. That seems like it's kind of an odd choice of words. But if you look in the Oxford English Dictionary, there are 10 different words currently in the OED. Dab, daggletail, doll, dollop, drab, drassic, drassel, Mopsy, Streel, and Trail, all these words are defined in some way as an untidy woman. There are no words that are defined as an untidy man in the OED. There are three words in the OED right now that are defined as an untidy person. And I got to say, I love these words because they are Warb, Mudlark, and Chucky Pig. (laughs) Um, I just couldn't let today go by without saying the word Chucky Pig out loud at least a couple of times. I like Warb. Warb has got a certain brutish charm to it, doesn't it? And Mudlark, how could you not love a Mudlark? But to me, Chucky Pig is really going to steal my heart.
2: But we're talking about the company that words keep, the sort of associations that are made, and really the deeply embedded sexism that has to do with the fact that the printing press was used by men and recorded the writing of men, and that was what was used as the sort of guidance for men who were lexicographers this is kind of the whole history of the genre. The history of recording language is recording the language of the privileged who could print their words.
0: That's right. And the publishing Absolutely. houses run by men and, and, All the and specifically through. white, wealthy men.
2: Of course. And especially right. in Europe, we're talking about, and especially in English speaking Britain and America, which is what we know about. And it's almost as if it's like this huge hidden context that once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's always there. And We are proud of the sort of descriptive mission of taking evidence from published sources. But if you go back to certainly the beginnings to Noah Webster's time, nearly all of those published sources were publishing the writings of men.
1: Tidy men. Tidy, affable men. What I love about untidy is that a number of dictionaries in the 19th and certainly the early 20th century really seem to have embraced this. I was looking through Joseph Wright's English dialect dictionary. I only got through the first half of the alphabet, but... Joseph Wright had 18 different words which were defined as an untidy woman. He had another 18 words which were defined as an untidy person. And a lot of those cases, they would say in the citations, this is usually about women. Again, not a single word for an untidy man. And my assumption here was that untidy was somehow synonymous with immoral or sexually permissive or something like that. However, none of these dictionaries seem to define untidy that way. So is there an, a kind of misuse of untidy in the 19th century that we've just overlooked? Or is this just a kind of garden variety sexism and definitions at play? We have a bunch of definitions in Webster's Third from 1961. We only have like five or six for untidy women. And in all cases, we say that they are dialectical British use.
0: Blame it on the Brits, Yes. But I wonder also if if it says something about who is expected to keep a place tidy. Tidiness is tidiness, the purview of the woman in a household. And so if she's untidy, well then.
1: You get like failure of womanhood.
0: Right. Meanwhile, I've got a whole family of warbs.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is Shay Chucky Peg over at my place.
0: For Peter Sokolowski and Amon Shea, I'm Emily Brewster. Word Matters is produced by Merriam-Webster in collaboration with New England Public Media.